Hello and welcome to the playoff edition of Pick and Pod on this beautiful May Wednesday afternoon. How are you guys doing today? I'm alongside Nick Rassiopi and Vinny DeBellis. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing well, man. All right, before we get into the NBA playoffs, as there was a lot of action last night with Isaiah Thomas scoring 53 points, uh, let me just explain why we weren't on air last week. Um, a high-profile band called The Gorillas was in WFUV last week, and um, they shut down the whole place on Wednesday. So that's why we weren't here with you guys, but I just wanted to let you guys know, just in case you were wondering where the pick and pod was. But uh, quickly, if you don't know, the second-round matchups for the NBA are already set. We got Golden State playing Utah after Utah won a uh, game seven against the Clippers on their home court. So the Warriors lead 1-0 in that series. We got Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs with the Rockets winning game one on the road by 30 points, which is very unspurs-like. So I definitely want to get to that. We got Cleveland-Toronto, which I don't think it's going to be a, a hard matchup for the Cleveland. I think they get past that one. And then we got Boston leading Washington 2-0 when they could very well have been down 0-2 in this series as you guys um you watch any of the games last? Uh, the yeah, last two la- games or what? yeah, both games. Last game was pretty nuts. It was a one of the probably the best game of the playoffs so far, or one of the best. The overtime, um, yeah, down the stretch, it really looked like Washington was going to win. Uh, they had some good looks at the end of the game. John Wall and Bradley Beal had a chance to win it. They weren't able to get it done. And then it's really hard to win overtime games on the road, especially in the playoffs, because you could see at the end Washington had some tired legs, but. The Celtics had the whole crowd behind them, and that was huge for them. And they went on that huge run, and Isaiah was unbelievable. I think it's the most points scored by a player in the playoffs since sits Allen Iverson. Alvin Iverson. Yeah. So, yeah. just an incredible game for him. And if he keeps playing like that, it's going to be hard for Washington to win. Yeah, yeah. I saw a stat: uh, most most points ever scored by a player under six foot in the playoffs. Isaiah Thomas. That was pretty cool yesterday. And um, yeah, I mean, as, as for one of the sort of storylines I was looking for going into the game was. Uh, a lot of guys talked about uh, best point guard in the East, second best point guard in the East. Where is Wall compared to, to uh, Thomas in that debate? And I think uh, two games through, Isaiah has made his case pretty clear. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was that was the big debate, too. And I think I'll add another person to that, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, so it's been the trio. Yeah, it's those three. It was those three. Who, who's the best player in the East, uh, but not best player, best point guard. And I think Isaiah Thomas has certainly put his stamp on that because John Wall was considered the best point guard in the East alongside Kyrie Irving. But I think Isaiah Thomas took the took the title on that one because 53 points at 5'9 frame when it's it's easy for the, in the NBA to double team. So they, they weren't really throwing anything at him. So they said, hey, l- let me see if you can beat me. And he came out, dropped 53 points. He had 29 points in the fourth quarter in overtime, which is just that's just amazing. So he's he's showed us the whole season that the fourth quarter is where he thrives, and he showed us that last night. And um, they're up 2-0 in the series. But I liked Washington to begin uh, the series. So that's why I want to kind of flip the table over to Washington. What's wrong with them? Because they could have very well split this, this, uh, these first two uh, away games with Boston. But now they found themselves down 2-0 in a must-win in Game 3. So what do you think the Washington Wizards need to do, Nick, to um, you know try to get that win in Game 3? Well, they need to close better. Game 2, they had a great chance to close. Game 1 was one where Boston shot incredibly well. It wasn't just Isaiah who had a great game. Jay Crowder and the rest of that crew all shot incredible from 3, and they scored a a ton of points. So when that happens, it's really hard for Washington to win because their perimeter defense isn't that great. John Wall and Beal are great offensive guards, but they're not too great defensively. John Wall's probably better than uh, Isaiah on defense, but not not a great defender. So I, I think they need to get 
more production late in the game from those guys and, and be better at closing because this is a series that the games are going to be close, and if Boston doesn't shoot as well as they did game one, they're going to be in a close game like they were in game two for game three. And with home court, it might be a little different the ending. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the point about um, closing the game. I don't know how many times I heard the commentators on TNT yesterday saying uh, fatigue, fatigue, fatigue for Washington uh, down the stretch there. And you could see it on uh, the last possession where Wall pulled up for the jumper, missed it, and then I think it was Beal who got the putback. That came up way short. So I I think they were definitely tired and they got to do a better job uh, closing out games. But also specifically I saw down the stretch – Defending the pick and roll with Isaiah, it seemed like uh, the Celtics just had the same strategy going down the stretch. They'd call for a screen, get a switch onto Isaiah where they'd have like Gortat guarding him, and then it was, uh, I I mean, Washington can't do that. (laughs) No, yeah. That's that's play time for Isaiah Thomas. When he's he's got the big, when he got a big on him, that's just, that's easy money. But I kind of want to put the blame, not, not the blame, but I think John Wall needs to step up because 53 points from Isaiah Thomas. That's, like you said, that's the most points in a playoff game since Allen Iverson when he scored 55 in 2003. So, And John Wall is considered one of the better defensive point guards in the league as he was tops in the league in steals for the last couple of years, and he led the league in uh, ball deflections. I actually heard that on the the broadcast last night. So I think he kind of needs to do a better job at um, stepping up and you know put a body on, on Isaiah Thomas, let him know that you know, you're not going to get 50 points this easily next game. So I, I kind of do – I want to see John Wall and Bradley Beal, you know, kind of turn the switch a little bit because uh, they did play well, but, you know, they lost they lost some of their heat down the stretch. Maybe it was a little fatigue. Uh, regrouping and going back home is probably the best thing for them. But this series is far from over. You've seen the first-round series between Boston and Chicago. Uh, uh, Boston came back down 2-0. And Washington is a really, really, really deep team. Uh, I like the addition of Bojan Bogdanovic from, from the Nets. So – this series is far from over, but they, they do need to make some serious adjustments on the defensive end. Yeah, uh, John Wall needs to fight over screens a little better because they keep switching everything, and yeah. that's not good when you have a guy like Isaiah Thomas who can blow by the big. Um, but besides that, I, I think John Wall has done enough for them to win. I mean, 40 points, 13 assists. I think you you know it's more on these other guys like Beal, who only had 14 points because yeah. he's supposed to be that secondary scorer, and when he's only got 14, that's yeah. that's really not an, enough. But I like how you mentioned Bogdanovich is a big factor. He had no points though last night, so they're going to need way more from him because he was big in the Clippers series. So yeah, if they, I'm sorry, not the Clippers. Oops, wrong conference. But wrong conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, he I was got really, you. Yeah, yeah. He was big in the Atlanta series. Atlanta series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that they need more from Beal and some of those bench guys. But I think John Wall's been playing incredibly well. He just needs to be a little better defensively. That's the thing, yeah. I think what Vinny said too about the pick and rolls. Yeah, you shouldn't switch that easily. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Too many, too many uh, mismatch problems when Isaiah gets it. Whether it's Morris, whether it's uh, big man who we were just Gortat. talking about. Gortat, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think Washington's supporting cast needs to step up, and I think they will at home. That uh, home court advantage. They've come out so strong, especially last night. I think they'll. Get get it done at home. I see them evening up the series, getting it to two two. I still like Boston winning it, but I I think uh, Washington will take these two. They have at home now. And quickly before we um, move on from this series, I think Markeith Morris needs to get his um, emotions in check. I think because mm-hmm. he was um, he was he was very chatty these last two games and uh, throwing. I think he threw out Horford into the stands, and I think he got like a warning for that, or maybe maybe he got a technical. I'm not sure, but he kind of needs to keep his emotions in check. I know he was angry about the the rolled ankle where he couldn't really land in game one. So, um, I don't know. It seemed like it was coming out too much. You know, his emotions were coming out too much in the game, so I think he needs to keep that under wraps. But, um, 
You said you already like Boston. I like Washington in this series. Nick, who do you like in this series? I picked series? Washington before, uh, but after losing a close game like that in Game 2, I think it's hard for them to win this series, especially because yeah. this Game 3 is going to be a big, like a, a must-win situation. Yeah. And Boston's played really good on the road of late. I mean, those two games in, sorry, those three games in Chicago were all just dominated yeah. by, by the Celtics. So they've played really good on the road, and they're a really hot team right now. They've won five in a row, so... It's going to be tough, but that Game 3 is a must-win, and they're going to be need better perimeter defense by Wall and Beal to win. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So I, I like Washington in the series, but like you said, not being able to get a win in one of those road games where they were very well were in contention to get a W in either one of those games, that's tough. So now down 2-0. It's going to be a, a long road ahead for the Washington Wizards where a lot of experts actually had them in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. Moving on to the Cavs, they are leading 1-0 against their series against the Toronto Raptors. Um, you've seen them play each other last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, and um, it's kind of the same story with the Raptors. I just don't think they have enough to to battle with Cleveland, although they did add uh, P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline. I just still think that the Cavs are just uh, the epitome of what the Eastern Conference um, perennial team is. So um, I don't think they're going to have any issue. Vinny, what do you think about this series? Yeah, I mean, just judging off of that first game, I know you can't make too much off of game one of a uh, seven-game series, but it looked like Toronto last year was a lot more competitive with the Cavs than, than they showed in game one. I mean, I never really felt like Cleveland was challenged at all in that first game. You know, they uh, seemed totally cool. I, I don't know. In the second half, maybe it got down to, like, 12 points. I, I don't even know if it was that close. It just always seemed like they were in control. When they needed a bucket, they clear out for Kyrie. They give LeBron a ball. And they, they were just never really pressing. Whereas the Raptors, I don't think they could really get an offensive flow going. And it, it didn't seem like they ever really had a shot in this one. Yeah. And they did get it down to 11 points, but it was, like, in garbage time. You know, mm-hmm. it was, like, the fourth quarter when their bench players were on the court, so. Yeah, they need more from these bench guys. Patrick Patterson, one for seven. He had a lot of really good looks in that game, and he didn't he didn't knock them down because they know they're going to get some solid production from those two guards, and it's up to these other guys to play well also. They haven't really had that. Valanchunas barely even played in this game because he couldn't guard anybody. He's too flat-footed to guard a Kevin Love who's out on the perimeter, and he's not really big enough to guard Tristan Thompson inside, so he's kind of the odd man out here. So he only played 21 minutes in the first game. Uh, but Serge Ibaka, he's another huge piece that they have. I mean, he can really guard the perimeter or he could guard inside. He only shot 6 for 14, though, so that's they're going to need better shooting from him. He hit some big threes, though. So those three guys, Ibaka and the two guards, you kind of expect they're going to play pretty well. But it's these other guys like uh, Carroll or, you know, or Patterson or P.J. Tucker who actually played pretty well in that first game. They need more people like that to play well. Otherwise, they really don't have a chance because Cleveland's going to score so many points because they have so many people who are just really good on offense. Their entire starting lineup and their whole bench can like all shoot threes. So it's, it's very it, hard to beat them. Yeah, it's going to take an army to beat this Cavs team, and they kind of start. They kind of retooled their team in the same format the way the Warriors have their team with the threes. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, uh, Kyle Culver, all those guys can stroke the three. So they're a very dangerous team. And um, you mentioned Serge Ibaka, and he was a, a big pickup for them at the trade deadline. Um, was it the trade deadline or was it before the I think season? It was, uh, I think it was a trade deadline, yeah. Yes. Right? What? Mm-hmm. No, he went from Orlando. Yeah, because oh, he okay. started the season with Orlando yeah, left yeah. at the trade deadline. I, I, they, gave up a, they gave up, I think, two uh, draft picks, one first round and one second round for him. And um, Kevin Love has been having a field day uh, the whole playoffs. And in game one, he played really well. Um, I think he needs to put a body on Kevin Love a little bit because I think for the Cavs team, when Kevin Love is playing well, because we already know what Kyrie Irving is going to do. We already know what LeBron's going to do. When Kevin Love plays well, I think this team is unstoppable and will probably go back-to-back. 
as an NBA champion. So I think Serge needs to put put a body on on Kevin Love a little bit and uh, let him know that hey, I'm one of the best defenders in the league. No, so, I definitely yeah. hear you on that one. I think uh, Serge just from his time in OKC. He was so good at affecting shots. Even if it didn't show up in the stats, he didn't get a block or a rebound on it. He was so good. He had great length as far as affecting shots and forcing misses from guys. And I'm not really seeing that so much in the little bit that I've seen the Raptors this year. Uh, I haven't seen him as much as I saw him last year with the Thunder. But, yeah, they they need him to be an active uh, source of energy for them, even if he's not scoring the ball. They have guys who can score the ball. They need that defensive intensity, like, like you said, to disrupt love. And, uh, and Tristan Thompson, yeah, too. Yeah, Thompson, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's really good in the paint for his defense, but when he gets out on the perimeter, it's not, you know, he's not as great on the on-ball perimeter defense, and that's what they kind of need from him because all of these three-point shooters, unless he's inside uh, on Thompson boxing out, and obviously that's big, too, but it's unfortunate because he doesn't really match up with any of the offensive weapons that Cleveland has because Love is so mobile on the perimeter. His best bet's when Love posts up, which he did a little bit in game one. That's when Ibaka's, you know, defense can really shine. Yeah, and I also wanted to um, highlight the point you mentioned, how Jonas Valanciunas has kind of found his way out of the rotation a bit. And um, in that last, in the series last year, again, in the Eastern Conference Finals, he, I think was, he, he rolled his ankle in game two, I think it was, but um, he was playing really well up to that point and never really got back to it. But he had a great year last year, and then now this year you kind of see a, a decrease in the production from him. If Toronto has any shot of winning the series, I think he needs to step up. Him and Serge Ibaka, twin, ti- uh, twin Towers type of situation there. I think them two, along with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, the scores to, to keep the engine running for Toronto, I think that's what they need to uh, to win the series, which I think they won't. I, I think this will be a pretty easy one for Cleveland. Uh, any last thoughts on this series, guys, before we um, head over to the West? Well, I think the Toronto's best bet is all these bench guys, if they can get going at home, because I don't see them winning game two, and if they can win game three and four at home because maybe the energy and the crowd can get them into it and start hitting threes, which is very big for some of these bench players when they're at home, maybe they could carry that momentum into a game five situation, maybe steal game five, and then who knows what could happen in game six at home. So that's their best bet. I don't really see that happening, but they need to win uh, games three and four at home to even have a chance to win game five on the road. Yeah, yeah I like the Cavs in five here, I think. Yeah. I'll give Toronto one game. Game, but I, I don't really see Cleveland losing control of the series. They've been playing too well as of late. See, that's what I was going to say, too. I can see Toronto getting game three. Um, I don't think, they'll, even though they only play one game, game two is tonight. I think Cleveland gets that. Um, when it does shift to Toronto, I think they do get that first one home. So I see Cavs winning in five. Quickly, before we go to the Western Conference, I think that's this is more of an underlining issue of the competitive, competitiveness of the NBA and how it's kind of lacking because I just I just don't see any team in the East, even though Boston and Washington, these teams are really good. I just don't see Cavs having that much of trouble getting to the finals. But we will get to that later on this month as the NBA playoffs continue and Pick and Pod will be posted every Wednesday. But let's move on to the Western Conference. I do want to get to the Rockets and Spurs series, and they play their game two tonight. But um, there's a lot there's a lot to be uh, talked about with that series. Not so much with the Jazz and Warriors. So I kind of just want to hit on that point really quickly. Uh, another case similar to the Cavs Toronto series, um, Utah won a big game seven on the road in, in LA. Uh, they were riding high going into Golden State, but they they just looked like they were not ready for that game at all. You mentioned it before the show; they had four unforced unforced turnovers to start the game. Uh, Gordon Haywood wasn't the uh, assertive type player that he normally is. Um, Golden State won pretty easily, and um, I see them sweeping uh, the Jazz. 
Uh, any thoughts on this series, guys? Because honestly, I just look at it as it's going to be Warriors versus either Rockets, Spurs in the West Conference Finals. Golden State did not play that well in the first quarter of they this game. They didn't, no. And Utah was down by double digits. They had the, the jitters the whole first quarter. They were turning the ball over, as you mentioned, and Gordon Hayward was just not forcing get, getting the ball and playing uh, with any confidence. He he would get open looks throughout the whole game and just wasn't taking them. He only had two points in the fourth quarter. Uh, he just hasn't. He did not look confident at all, and their best stretch in that game was, I believe, midway into the third where they were attacking the rim and stopped taking jump shots, and that's where they were able to get it to, I think, seven. And then they ended up you know, falling back behind and Golden State pretty much blowing them out. But that's their best bet is to slow the game down and attack the rim because they don't really have bigs in there, uh, Pachulia and... Uh, Go Bears a little banged yeah, up. Yeah, so. they don't really have uh, big defenders in there, Golden State. So if they can attack the, the rim, Utah, they have a chance to win the, the series. But it's so unlikely because Golden State has so many weapons. It's ridiculous how when guys are subbing in and out, everybody that comes in off the bench is also a great player, and their yeah. whole starting lineup is so great. It's just hard when at every position, you could argue, besides maybe the center spot, Golden State almost always has the best player on the court yeah. at that position. It's so hard to win. Yeah, That's a great point you made about the third quarter yesterday. I noticed that also when they were attacking. I think Rodney Hood had a real good quarter yeah, a great right stretch. there. Yeah. A lot of pull-ups, um, knocked them down. But, yeah, when they're attacking the basket, I think that's really their only shot. I mean, they can't shoot with Golden State. No one really can shoot with Golden no. State. But um, I'm looking at numbers here from yesterday. Hayward went 4 for 15. Uh, Joe Johnson, 4 for 10. N- none of their main scorers really played that well. And, I mean, I-, I guess if you're a Jazz fan, you would hope that maybe some shots will fall and they'll be able to be in more competitive games with the Warriors. But I don't think they do that by launching long balls. And I think it's got to be by sort of just punching them right in the mouth to, to come out and really really attacking the Warriors. And maybe they have a shot to win a game or two here, but I think it's quick work for Golden State. Yeah, maybe maybe a game. I, I, I don't think so. I think it's a sweep. But you guys both mentioned something that I, w- I want to hit on. First, Nick, um, the pace of the Jazz, I think, is what won them the series against the Clippers. Uh, they slowed that game down tremendously. The Clippers looked horrendous in the half court um in their half court offense although the Warriors have a much better half court offense than the Clippers I do think if they do slow it down and focus more on interior scoring with Gordon Haywood involved of the focal point and pick and roll I think they will uh uh, have a better shot at winning a game or two um and also you mentioned uh Gordon Haywood and Joe Johnson not shooting well those two players were essential in the Clippers series Mm -hmm. um so I think if they continue to play like that it's going to be a sweep, but they might get one if, you know, Gordon Haywood decides to show up for the series. But yeah. last night, he, he didn't look too good. I don't think that will last. He's he's an all-star type player. He is an all-star first time this year. Uh, one of my favorite players in the league, so I, I think he'll turn it around. Um, it's just the Warriors are just a well-oiled machine. And um, you also mentioned the platoon swap. They got five people off their bench yeah. that they can come in and compete with the bottom half of the NBA starter, starting five. So it's And JaVale McGee, too. He he's been playing really well. They uh they weren't really uh high on him coming into the season. He signed a minimum contract, but his length and his his intensity on defense has been tremendous for the Warriors and it's been um something they weren't expecting. So they look like they're in good shape. They're uh, most likely going to be in the Western Conference Finals either against the Rockets or the Spurs. I do want to get to that series now because I seen something um, I'm forgetting when the game was. It was Monday, the game? It wasn't over the weekend, right? It was Monday? Uh, yeah. It was Monday. I seen something on Monday night that I don't think I've ever seen with the Spurs in our lifetime. They lost 30 points at home in a playoff game to a team that I feel like 
is is where the NBA is going in the Houston Rockets with the the three point shooting. They chuck them up. They broke the record for most three points made and attempted for I think the second year in a row. So I just think the Spurs have a really bad matchup with this one. Although they are the, one of the best defenses in the league for the past twenty years. Greg Popovich has done a great job at getting this team ready to play uh, day in and day out in the NBA defensively. But thirty points at home against the Rockets and James Harden honestly didn't even didn't even play that well. I mean, I think he, uh, of course, uh, you know, had a couple threes in there, but he didn't really turn it up the way that James Harden turns it up and what we've been seeing from him, the MVP-type season he's had. Uh, I, I want to throw out the question out there to you, Nick. Do you think the Spurs are in serious trouble? Because they were my pick to go to the Western Conference Finals. So do you think that they are in serious trouble against the Rockets in this high-powered offense? Yeah, I don't think they match up well at all. Yeah. It's a very hard series. They're two bigs that they start, Aldridge and Lee. They have not played well at all, and they don't match up with anybody on Houston. Houston's just chucking up threes. They shot 50 threes in that first game, and and David Lee is not closing out on anybody at three, and he's not even a great rebounder. So that, that's a, they're in a real conundrum there. And Aldridge, they gave him so much money, $80-plus million, and he had seven points in the first game. So they need way more from him because right now Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't really have a secondary scorer. Tony Parker's getting up there in age. He doesn't have the kind of lift he used to have and the mobility he used to have. So they need way more from Aldridge to have a chance in this series. But the way it is with these three-point shooting teams, sometimes they're going to have off nights. Sometimes they're not going to fall, especially on a road game situation. So we'll see what happens in game two. But if you're San Antonio, there's really nothing that you could look at from this first game to make you think that you're going to play well in game two because even if – Houston does shoot worse. They won by so many points. How much worse would they have to shoot for San Antonio to have a chance unless they yeah. can get more from guys like Aldridge? Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more about the just the personnel doesn't match up for San Antonio. And, yeah, they were one of the best defensive rating teams in the league. They play good team fundamental defense in the regular season. But when you're going up against the Rockets, who um, I heard Reggie Miller say it a few times, they have so many professional scorers on that team. James yeah. Harden. Uh, Gordon, um, Lou Lou Williams, exactly. You know, uh, these guys are paid to score the ball. And when you have LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, David Lee matching up with uh, a guy like Gordon, that's not going to bold too well unless they have a really, really off shooting night. And I don't see that happening too often. I mean, I don't think they'll get out to the start that they did the other night against San Antonio just based on if you're watching the the Thunder series with, with the Rockets. It seemed like they got off to a slow start every single time there. So I think if they uh, sort of struggle in the in the early part of that game, then uh, the Spurs have a chance. But for, for the Spurs offensively, they need guys to be able to help Kawhi because he really seems like the only one who can create for himself right now. Uh, it just seems like the team's too old, and Aldridge really needs to, to step up and show why he's worth all that money. Oh, definitely. I agree with you guys 100%. And... I think what what I what I took from that game is Houston had six players score in double figures and three of them scored 20 points. So like they they have a well-balanced attack and you mentioned professional score after professional score. They got Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly who can really shoot the ball yeah, well. Out of so nowhere. Out of nowhere all of a sudden he's stroking threes just like I guess it's contagious on this team that everyone's just starting to hit threes now. Um and then you look at the the Spurs stat line from that game um they only had three players in double figures and only Kawhi with 20 points. But he, Kawhi did do a good job against James Harden. James Harden shot 6 for 13 with uh, 20 points and uh, 14 assists, which is a great game. But like I said, for James Harden standards this year, is 
not the best uh, game he's had this year. So Kawhi did a decent job on him. But it's just they have similar to the similar to the Warriors. The Rockets have a platoon swap five that I think can come in and just do damage. They got like Lou Williams and Eric Gordon, or they're competing for six man of the year, and they're on the same team. I know <laughs> Lou Will started the year with the Lakers, but um, yeah, he was great there too. Exactly. So they're competing for the six man of the year award. Um, the way they shoot the ball is just. It's amazing, and and to hypothetically speaking here, if we can see the Rockets and Warriors in the in the Western Conference Finals, just imagine how many threes are going to be chucked oh, up man. in that one. It's, yeah, you might it's, crack a hundred threes <laughs> in a game like that. Seriously, honestly, yeah, because I mean the Rockets put up fifty threes a game, and then you know the Warriors, they got those shooters on their team. So, um, I kind of just want to get right down to it. Do the Rockets win this series, guys? Because right now, I think from from what you see from the Spurs in the past and the history and the pedigree of the Spurs. My heart is my heart is telling me, and my mind at the same time is telling me they're gonna come around and they're gonna obviously make adjustments and they're gonna be competitive. But that thirty point loss was just eye opening. So, do you guys think the Rockets have a legit shot to beat the Spurs? Well, Popovich, he's gonna have to make a lot of adjustments, and he's one he of will. the best coaches of all time, yeah, so he will. will be able to. And we'll see if Mike D'Antoni can make similar adjustments to what the Spurs do differently. So, if the Spurs are able to get some type of game plan to maybe neutralize the three point shooting. We'll see if Mike D'Antoni can, you know, get his team back into that rhythm if they fall out of it. So, for their their sake, they're going to need something. I don't even know what it is, but some way to neutralize the three-point shooting. Maybe go with a small lineup with uh, maybe Aldridge at the five and not starting Lee. Maybe, you know, swap in another shooter, a more mobile person, and they need more from Aldridge. But I, I have Houston winning this series. I had San Antonio winning it before the, the first game, but I didn't see anything to make them make me confident in them at all. Yeah. Yeah, I also had San Antonio going into it, but after after that first one, I think I'm going to have to uh, flip-flop too and uh, go with Houston just because um, it, it's reminded me a lot of last year's semifinals with Oklahoma City and San Antonio in that they just couldn't keep up with OKC's pace, and it didn't matter h- how slow they tried to make the game, that they just couldn't do anything about uh, the other team's youth and launching up threes and just running up and down the court so I think I think I'll, I'll go Houston here in, in six but I would by no means be surprised with San Antonio just because of the pedigree and pop yeah and Kawhi that, that they could also do it this is this is the most exciting series to me of this round by far I think I, yeah I think this is definitely the most exciting second round matchup and I do think the Spurs get this series in seven um, although I'd love to see the Rockets Warriors in the Western Conference Finals but I would also love to see Kawhi Leonard in the West Conference Finals as well. Um, I think this goes seven. I think Popovich will make the adjust, uh, adjustments uh, necessary. So um, I think the Spurs will win this one. Um, any final thoughts on the second round, guys, uh, before we uh, wrap things up here? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think the Wizards series is turning out to be a very competitive one. I hope the Wizards can get that third game because then it, you might see a, game, a six or seven game series. And those first two games are really competitive. So that's that's been very exciting. That's more exciting than I thought that series would be. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Who do you think of the Spurs or, or Rockets presents a tougher matchup for the Warriors, assuming that they get through the next round? Hmm. You want to take that one first? Yeah, I'd go with San Antonio just because Houston and Golden State, they play a very similar game. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have an edge, Houston, in that both teams are going to be shooting threes and being a very fast offense, and in that kind of flow, Golden State's always going to be better than anybody else in the league. So San Antonio has a little bit of an edge there because they have a different style of play, which I think is really important when you match up. So I would have to go with San Antonio, but 
Houston would still have a chance if they can shoot as they did in this first game. I disagree with you a little bit just because I think the high-powered type offense from the Rockets will cause them, the Warriors some some um, some headaches. So I do think the Spurs are going to win the series against the Rockets, but matchup-wise, I think the I think the Rockets will do um, will do damage against the Warriors. That that series, both of those both teams will probably send them, send them to six or seven games. So um, to answer your question, I think the Rockets will be a tougher matchup. And uh, quickly before we uh, we get out of here, I don't know if you guys heard, Brandon Roy got shot in L.A. Wow. No, yeah, really? he got shot in L.A. Is he all right? Um, yeah, he's doing fine. Okay, he's okay. he's um, in critical condition, uh, condition, but he is um, uh, he's in, he is in stable condition, which is good news. I just seen it on Twitter, so I just wanted to quickly give a shout-out to one of the best shooting guards in the league uh, a couple years ago. Not a couple years ago. Yeah, more it's like, very more unfortunate like, more, what happened to him with injuries. More like 10 years ago, there was an argument where it was like him and Kobe in the West. Yeah. Who was the better shooting guard? And um, the chronic knee injuries were... Um, damaging for him in his career very unfortunate i'm sad to hear he uh sad to hear that news but this was picking pod i'm tyler freer alongside nick Rassiopi and Vinny debellis this is a production of wfuv sports stay tuned for next week's episode on wednesday at 4 p.m